This is Scott Richmond, the director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. In the battle against hate, a new front is quickly developing as artificial intelligence proliferates with products such as Chat GPT. There are, of course, many implications for this new technology about which we are hearing so much these days. But the focus of today's show is how these new technologies can be abused to accelerate hate, harassment and extremism online and what we can do at this early stage to put in place safeguards. I'm so pleased to welcome back Yael Eisenstadt to the show to give us her insights. She is the vice president for ADL's Center for Technology and Society which fights hate in digital spaces. Yael, it's great to speak with you again. Thanks for having me back, Scott. So let's first define our terms. When we say generative AI, what are we talking about? So generative AI, I mean, it's a subset of artificial intelligence. Uh, It's a type of AI that's actually capable of generating text or images or other forms of media, basically in response to prompts. And we've all been hearing recently about ChatGPT. This is just one example. But ChatGPT is a form of generative AI that you as a user will be prompting it with questions. And unlike where Google, for example, would send you a list of links that you then go look at the information, ChatGPT will actually create its own answer in response to your prompt. Um, One other example, just to make sure everyone knows what we're talking about, um, can be also images or videos. Uh, Many people might have seen this image of the Pope wearing a puffer jacket that that went around, I I think, about a month ago. These tools are making more and more realistic-looking images based on, again, these same sort of processes. So that's what we mean when we say generative AI. They're... Their models, their learning, and on both patterns and structures of the data that people are putting in, of all of the data that's out there on the Internet already, and then they generate their own answers with that. Okay, so let's move to the issue of hate then. You know, we talk a lot about hate on social media, extremism on social media, harassment on social media, but we're very worried about generative AI and what it can do and how it can proliferate it. So maybe uh, you you just compared it to Google, but maybe compare uh, to social media. There, there we we sort of missed the boat, I would say, in terms of uh, of finding ways to put in place safeguards. Sure. So the key thing, as you just pointed out, was that we did miss the boat. I mean, if the past 25 years, which is pretty much how long I think ADL has been looking at online spaces, have told us anything. It's really that waiting until after harms occur to implement these safeguards is going to fail to protect users. And so it is a different tool than social media, but social media companies, which are already having issues with safeguarding communities from online hate and harassment and extremism, are now going to possibly start incorporating these generative AI tools, which will make those images more realistic, that disinformation more compelling, the so-called deep fakes more concerning. 
without the proper guardrails in place, it's just has the potential to supercharge an already really dangerous situation. And, and where we are right now is, you know, there's, there's this just surprisingly rapid integration of these kinds of technologies, including outside of social media into all sorts of industries. And so if we have these tools get adopted so quickly without appropriate safeguards, it just has the potential to exacerbate an already really frail online ecosystem. You know, it sounds like what you're saying is we've come to the point or we're approaching the point where we really cannot tell fact from fiction at all. That's the biggest challenge here, right? At least, and we've already had so many challenges in this space, but now if we're not even getting, let me back up and just reiterate a huge difference. It's really important to remember when you go onto Google and search for certain content Google's not always going to give you the perfect result, and we've worked for years with Google to try to improve some of this, but at least it's giving you the source, the link, and you're going and reading that. Now, if ChatGPT or other other companies like Google Bard or others just start giving you back answers, or if people start incorporating those answers into their work, it'll be really incredibly complicated to figure out well, where did that answer come from and is it from a reliable source and, and trying to de- engage in any sort of fact-checking becomes exponentially more difficult. But on the flip side, I just want to reiterate one other thing too. It's not just that it will make distilling fact from fiction incredibly difficult. It will also give bad actors plausible deniability, meaning... If if a video surfaces of a political candidate doing something terrible in their past, let's say doing something anti-Semitic or racist or whatever it is, now they can just say, oh, that wasn't me. That's an artificially generated video. And people will not know what to believe. Hmm. You know, we're not alone in our concerns. ADL recently did a survey which showed that the overwhelming majority of Americans are seeing what you are seeing and are worried about with hate and AI uh, and that they want to see Congress act. In what ways can Congress act to not make the same mistakes that they did with social media before it proliferated? It was actually um, our Center for Technology and Society that conducted that survey. And One thing we found particularly interesting was what a high percentage of Americans wanted Congress to do something, which is really much higher than we've ever seen when it comes to regulating tech um, prior to now. So 87 percent said that they wanted Congress to at least have some sort of efforts uh, around these guardrails. Some of the things we really think are important is thinking about what does mandated transparency and privacy look like? How do you ensure that some of these tools are not getting a free pass to also exacerbate even like civil rights violations or, you know, not just exacerbating hate and extremism, but actually potentially furthering illegal activity? So there's a whole bunch of things Congress can do, particularly around ensuring that we at least have enough transparency into how these systems work, possibly considering really working with things like social media platforms in what sort of guardrails are you going to put around this content as it goes into your social media spaces and thinking about what does accountability look like if, 
for example, a generative AI tool actually creates the content itself that either facilitates a crime or leads to more hate speech or any of these things, these are the types of questions that Congress is going to have to wrap their heads around. So you mentioned ADL Center for Technology and Society. Tell us about ADL's role here. Where do we fit in in this process? So, you know, the Center for Tech and Society, CTS, um, we've been looking at what online hate and harassment looks like for decades. I mean, really the leaders in this space. And so our role here is not just to use all of our past experience to work directly with some of these companies, which we do. We continue to engage with some of the companies that are creating these tools, but also to help lawmakers think about what are the best ways to protect against some of the harms. Um, We also, you know, one of our main things is also to try to help ensure that the public understands what these risks are, because the public has to know not only how are the very systems they are using creating real harms to people who are most susceptible and and most vulnerable to hate and harassment, but to be able to raise their voices and demand that both companies and governments act differently. So CTS is playing all of those roles, and that's why we also um, conducted this survey and then put out a big piece ahead of a recent hearing, a Senate hearing, actually, with the head of OpenAI, which is the company creating ChatGPT, of really the questions we want lawmakers to be thinking about. Is there anything that people can do to protect themselves? So right now, uh, the most, this is not going to be a wholly satisfactory answer, but one thing people really need to do is be even more discerning about where are they getting their information from. Listen, ChatGPT has some really amazing uh, like technologies and uses, and it can be super interesting for many reasons. But everyday users should really make sure they understand where their information is coming from and just be extra careful about how to validate what they're believing in and what they're saying. Okay, very good advice. Yeah, Elle, thanks so much for helping us better understand this new technology. Uh, It's both incredibly hopeful and incredibly scary. Uh, We're all grateful for the role that the Center for Technology and Society plays every day to make our digital world safer. And, of course, thanks for being on today's show. Thank you. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good.